and welcome to another edition of Addition. I'm your host, Adi Adewusi. I'm a product manager at Microsoft, a mathematician, a futurist, tech optimist, artist, and creator. And I'm here every day, Monday through Friday, bringing you the news, the hot topics in tech, some career advice, an update on the markets, and letting you know what I'm geeked out about this week. So before we get into the markets and the news, go ahead and like this video if you're watching on YouTube. Leave a five-star review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you are subscribing through the Substack and you're getting the email through Substack or the podcast through Substack, go ahead and share the Substack with your friends. You know you're getting excellent knowledge. You are getting gems. So share it with people that you love and care about. So you can also follow me on TikTok at Edition with Addy, Instagram at Edition with Addy, which is identical to my TikTok and Twitter uh, at EditionPod if you want to hear announcements or updates of when the show comes out. So yeah, that's me. All right, so let's get into it. So starting with the crypto markets, Bitcoin is up 3% over the past seven days. It is hovering at 31,576. This is the first time I've seen it over 30,000 in a while. I'm happy. Um, I hope it continues this way. Ethereum is down 0.05% over the past seven days, hovering at 1,909. Ethereum has been struggling lately compared to Bitcoin. I think once the crypto markets crash, people have been looking at Ethereum under a magnifying glass a little bit more. And I think Ethereum takes its turn once they prove that they can um, do the merge successfully and move to proof of stake. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I guess I'll just tell you, Ethereum right now is going through a redevelopment of the blockchain to move from proof of work, which is basically the way you unlock Ethereum is by is by doing a bunch of computations and cryptography to proof of stake, which transaction are, tr- transactions are ther- verified by people putting money up and saying, yes, I endorse this transaction. So proof of stake is way more environmentally friendly. And Ethereum has been planning on doing this merge, as they call it, for years now. And the merge is supposed to happen this year. But because of all the crypto crash and fear, uncertainty, and doubt that's been going on around crypto, I feel like people are nervous a little bit about whether this merge is actually going to happen or whether they're just getting scammed or rug pulled. And I think that's why Ethereum is underperforming compared to Bitcoin. Whereas Bitcoin just works, Ethereum is a little bit more of a risky bet. Okay, moving on to the stock markets. The NASDAQ is, oh wait, skip to S&P. The S&P is up 0.2% over the past five days and the NASDAQ is up 0.8% over the past five days. I will say it is really good to see three out of the four markets that I track being green today. I don't know when the last time that's happened. So hopefully this is a rebound. Hopefully the summertime energy is going to inspire uh, the markets to recover and we all get richer accordingly. Let's hope and pray. Okay, hot topics in tech. I have a couple. There wasn't major news this weekend, but a couple worth talking about. Got to talk about my friend Elon Musk again. So on Friday, he shared that he has a super bad feeling, in quotes, about the economy. And 
he plans on laying off 10% of the Tesla staff. So I quote from this Yahoo Finance article, Musk sent a message to Tesla executives Thursday, according to a Reuters report, saying that he has a super bad feeling about the the economy and that Tesla should reduce about 10% of its salaried staff, as well as pause global hiring because the company has become overstaffed in many areas. So I'm going to treat this as just another layoff watch. So um, people, 10% of Tesla staff is going to be laid off. And I shared in an episode last week that Elon is also saying that remote work is ending for Tesla and that all employees need to be in the office in a Tesla office 40 hours a week. And people assume this was a way to, including myself, in a way, this is a way to cut costs and get people to quit without actually laying them off. And then the next day or a few days later, we hear about that Tesla is planning a 10% layoff. So Tesla folks, I wish you the best of luck. If you would like a referral to Microsoft, feel free to reach out to me. Okay, next. New York State Senate passes Bitcoin mining moratorium, and this is from Coindesk. I quote from the article, the New York State Senate passed a bill targeting proof of work mining earlier Friday in an effort to address some of the environmental concerns about cryptocurrencies. The bill, which was passed by the State Assembly last month, would impose a two-year moratorium on new proof-of-work mining projects powered by carbon-based fuel in the Empire State, Though existing mining firms or ones currently undergoing the permit renewal process would be allowed to continue operations, the Senate voted 36-27 in favor of the bill. So I have a lot of thoughts about this, and it goes back to people's feelings about crypto are completely correlated with the price. Last December, or last year in general, there was like a war going on between Miami and New York over which state was more crypto-friendly. And now that crypto prices are down, now the New York Senate wants to um, stop people from mining Bitcoin in New York. It's just amazing how much people's opinions and sentiment on crypto change based on whatever the price is. I find that funny. Another thing that I find funny is that if they if this really was about environmentalism, why would they not just ban it? ban crypto mining in New York in general, as opposed to just preventing new people from entering the crypto mining economy in New York. This kind of creates a monopoly for the people who are already existing miners. It reminds me a lot of what happened with the medallion system and the taxis in New York, where they only released a certain amount of medallions. And then there was this whole undercover secondary market of people trading like rights to taxis in New York. And I don't know why this wouldn't happen the same way with uh, crypto mining. Maybe there's a crypto mining company that wants to, you know, go out, do something else or pivot into something else. And then there'll be this whole secondary market that transfers the rights to mine it's almost similar to rent control too, how there's this whole underground market in New York City with rent controlled apartments. And so I guess this is a very New York thing to do, but I do find it interesting. I personally don't get it. I think they should either ban it, ban Bitcoin mining in New York or let it happen as opposed to, you know, just stop new people from mining Bitcoin. That's my take. What do you think? Let me know.
Okay, career segment. So this weekend I spent some time with some Gen Zers and I was surprised like how different they were from how the media portrays Gen Z. I feel like the media portrays Gen Z as people who are super informed as, you know, they're on the internet learning everything and they're way far ahead of everyone. They believe in themselves. They bet on themselves. They are super confident and secure in who they are. That was not what I encountered at all when I was hung, hanging out with this particular group of Gen Zs. One thing they all wanted was a good job and, and they, and they wanted a good career path and they wanted to make money. So I wanted to do this career segment dedicated to them. Hi, if you're watching and I'm going to explain how to get a six figure paying job in tech. And you may agree, you may disagree. Please comment if you feel differently. So first, absolutely a degree or boot camp. So so many people have been saying, oh, college doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. Sure, if you are a highly skilled software engineer prodigy, right? For most people, college is a sort of filtering system and employees, employers are going to want to see that college degree bare minimum. And I'm just talking about a bachelor's degree, not talking about a master's degree. I do not see that as a prerequisite at all. So if you have a degree, great. Um, if you don't have a degree, I would say go to a boot camp. So most people know about software engineering boot camps. I highly recommend doing one. Um, if you you can do anything after being a software engineer, like no one's going to question your ability to do something. If you're a software engineer, engineer, the worst case scenario is that you'll be pigeonholed into being a software engineer for the rest of your life and make good money. So that's, that's a pretty good uh, worst case scenario. So I would say get a four-year bachelor's degree or a boot camp. If you are still in college and you have time to change your major, I highly recommend choosing a major that will read as difficult. So this is typically like a STEM major, like math, computer science, physics, like anything. I would say do economics over business. I would say do, um, like, I, I just would not do a major that people undervalue. And it's very clear. All you have to do is search and see like, which majors are the top earning versus which a majors are the lowest earning. And yes, I get like, you may have a dream of like being an artist or a poet, make that your minor. Like for me, I chose a math major and I modified it with studio art so I could still get some creativity in. But I would not recommend choosing your major based on your passion if it does not actually make money in the market. And sorry, like I know people feel differently, but this is specifically for people who want to get a six-figure job in tech. There are many paths to success, many paths to six figures, but this is the advice that I'm giving you based on if you want a six-figure job in tech. Okay, next, after you have your degree, so most people will skip to just applying and sending out resumes and you know doing online applications. I would not suggest doing that. I would contact people in your network who are working either at the companies you want to work for or working in the jobs that you want to work for. And maybe say, I don't know anyone who in my network who works at, you know, Microsoft or Facebook or wherever you want to work. 
that's what LinkedIn is for. I've had people cold DM me on LinkedIn and, you know, they just, you know, it's, it's no different. It's like either you meet someone at LinkedIn or you meet someone at a bar, or you meet someone at a coffee shop, it's still meeting strangers, right? So don't feel weird about DMing someone on LinkedIn and asking like just for a chat so you can learn, you know, how they got the job, how they got in that company. Um, I would also ask what kind of position your experience would be a good fit for, because you you may have a resume already, you have a, a degree, maybe you have some work experience, you have some internships. You don't really know what options there are out there for you in tech unless you do like a whole bunch of research. So why not ask the person who you know in your network that works in tech or has a job that you want what your resume would be a good fit for now? And I say that because it's so hard. Like if you have no experience, no relevant experience whatsoever, it's going to be near impossible to get a job, right? Unless you're really close with someone who is the hiring manager or something like that. So you got to work with what you got, kind of. Um, okay, so then ask, like, ask them what pre-work or prerequisites they should do. Like maybe they say, Okay, you have really good experience, but for this type of job, you need to be really good at Excel. So I recommend taking an Excel course, or maybe you should get this free Google certification in cloud engineering because that's going to help you get this position. So you really got to use your contact, your network to give you as much insight as possible because um, you're not going to know from reading the website. You're not going to know from reading the job description. That's why people, uh, one of the most common forms of career advice is it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. Okay. And then ask them for a referral. So, so, um, employees can submit candidates as a referral and you do this before you apply, because if you already apply, you can't retroactively be submitted as a referral. So before you apply, say, hi, I, I did the work. I've, I've updated my resume based on this, the information you gave me, I found this position and I would like you to submit me as a referral. And, you know, hopefully they say yes. If they say no, go find somebody else. Um, these companies have hundreds of thousands of people working for them. So don't feel limited to the one person, you know, um, ask them if there's other people that they should talk to. Okay. And then do your salary research before you start a field. So there are websites like levels.fyi, there's Glassdoor, there's Blind. If you don't know these things, Google them and, you know, get familiar with them. Fishbowl is another one. Because you don't want to enter a career path that has a salary cap lower than your ambitions. Because when I tell you about these career paths, it is so hard to pivot like people make it seem like it's so easy to move from being a software engineer to a marketing or a marketer to a software engineer or UX design to front end development. Like it really actually is, is not easy at all. Like people want to hire someone who's the best fit and best qualified for the role. So they're looking at your resume that has a skill set in a completely different field versus someone else who has a resume and their skill set is completely aligned to the job. They're doing their company a disservice if they don't hire the person who's more qualified. So that's why I recommend doing as much research as possible before you jump into your career path because it's 
going to be really hard to get out and do something else. Okay, uh, comment. Let me know if you agree, disagree. Love to hear about it. Okay, so what am I geeked out about this week? So I subscribe to a newsletter called TLDR, which kind of gives update on tech news. And I found this article, which is a long read. The estimated read time is 28 minutes, but I could not stop reading it. It's an article um, called The Internet Encyclopedia of Memes, where they interview the founder and creator of knowyourmeme.com, which is a website. And I'm obsessed with memes. I'm obsessed with internet culture. You'll, If you're watching on YouTube, you will see clips of me talking about memes and the meme economy and how important it is. So I just ate this article up. I think they did an excellent job and I have it linked in the show notes. Okay, well, that's all I have for today. I will see you tomorrow and have a great week. Bye.